Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. I'm so excited to be back with you here on this episode. On this episode, I want to try to be able to put some practical things in your hands that you're going to be able to remember when trying to help other people. Trying to help other people through problems like depression, trying to help other people through problems like maybe anxiety or other problems and roadblocks that they have. And I believe that the laity of the church should have the tools in their hand to be able to help people through normal everyday life problems. And anymore, these types of problems are just kind of normal to our society. And so I want to put some things in your hand. I want you to start thinking about helping someone. So as someone comes to you and they start talking to you about a problem, like let's use depression, for example, what are some things that you're thinking about? What are some things you go to? Well, let me tell you firsthand that I know a lot of Christians right there back up and think, oh, no, I'm not equipped. Well, I want to give you some tools to where you can start thinking about some things to where you can start listening to the Lord and maybe share within some things that you have, and not so much about just the tools that you're going to give them, but before you try helping them, some things that I want you to remember. And I love the acronym that we learned whenever I went to counseling school, and the acronym was SPEC. S-P-E-C. So anytime I go to talk to someone and they're coming to me with a problem, now these problems doesn't just have to be at church or especially sitting down in a counseling forum, but when someone comes to me in passing in the foyer at church or even maybe on my job site, I used to have people come to me quite a bit and they would start talking to me. I remember some conversations that took place out in an old oil field shop that would happen and they would start talking to me about a problem and want some input. Many times people just want you to listen, but at the same time, people want you to listen with some hope that maybe you have some answers. So this person comes to you and they start talking to you about depression. Say one of the first things I think about with that acronym spec S P E C. First of all, I think about their spiritual side first. Now, this should always be our first thing we think about. Spiritually, are they saved? That's the S in spec. Are they saved? Have they given their life to Christ? And you know, many people call themselves Christians, but are they saved? Do do you see a working faith in their life? Do you see progress in their spiritual life. And some people aren't going to be saved. They don't want to be saved. But at the same time, then that's our job to try to convince them that God's ways the right way, that he's died for their sins and be able to share Christ with them. But many times people are saved or believe they're saved. So I like to just, first of all, ask this question, are they saved? Are they under conviction? Because sometimes people won't know they need to get saved, but they're being convicted of their sin and they need to get right with God. But not only that, I also like to think under the spiritual part of the acronym, I like to think about, are they under condemnation? Because if you're under conviction, we should approach it one way, but if you're under condemnation, it should be approached another. So you approach someone under condemnation. Do you remember? I always refer to this story, but it's so important. Do you remember the woman that was caught in adultery and Jesus kneeled down on the ground, drew in the dirt, and and he said, he who hath not sinned cast the first stone. And so they dropped their stones. They walked away. Then Jesus looked to her and said, 
woman, go sin no more. He didn't beat her over the head. He didn't have to preach a sermon to her. He didn't have to tell her you need to do 16 spiritual principles to make yourself right with God again. He said, honey, go and sin no more because she was already under condemnation or they under conviction to where they're just broken hearted and they just don't know what to do. Then there's a different approach to both them people. There are people that are saved that are under condemnation. That's a lot of the counseling that I've done in my past is people that are saved, but they're under such condemnation. They're hearing the voice of the devil telling them they're no good. You know, it's one thing to do wrong. It's another thing to be wrong. In other words, we can be wrong and we can do wrong, but that doesn't mean we're bad people. That doesn't mean that we're so bad that God doesn't love us. No, he loved us so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We're not stamped and labeled bad, no good scallywags. And under condemnation, that's where a lot of people think. They think, well, I'm just worthless. I'm just no good. But God says the opposite of that. You know, we have to be very careful because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we need to make sure that we're listening to God to know, hey, is this person under conviction or are they under condemnation? And if someone comes to me under condemnation, I start speaking life into their spirit. I start encouraging them in the Lord. I start using those scriptures, who the Son is set free is free indeed. You know, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. I use those scriptures, and I go to Romans chapter 6 and 7, and I walk them through some things to build them back up. A lot of our job as Christians is to build them back up in the Lord whenever they're under condemnation. But the second part of this is physical. See, spiritual was the S and physical is the P. Remember, when someone's talking to you about a problem, the spiritual part of man, excuse me, the soul of man is so connected to the body that sometimes it's difficult to determine which one it is. Let me say that again. The soul of man, the mind, the will, and the emotions are so connected to the body, they're inseparable. Really, what affects the body will affect the soul. So if you're physically sick, you can be soul sick, if you will. It's hard to go through a struggle when someone has cancer. I'm not saying they can't have joy, but to be happy all the time. Whenever you go through chemo, for you to be happy and be encouraged all the time because the physical implications of what's happening is affecting the mind, the will, the emotions. And so are they emotionally down because there's a physical problem? You know, I've seen people and talked to people that's had thyroid problems. I mean, I can try to get them to rededicate their life. I can try to get them saved. I can try to do those things. But if they are physically down and beat up, you know, things like diabetes, people with extremely high sugar, you know, three, four hundred can be very uh, frustrated. People can be kind of cranky people. And if, if they have that high sugar, they're not, then they're they're very godly people. But I've seen people that were, uh, for instance, women that were going through the change of life. This is a physical problem. The change of life is not a spiritual problem. It's something that's happening in their physical body. My wife allows me to share this anytime I'm talking about this. When my my wife went through this in her early 40s, I mean, tell you what, it was like I went home one day and I had a different wife. And I'm telling you, her hormones were all out of balance. And my wife is such a sweet lady, but all of a sudden she wasn't near sweet or she was, but she would cry sometimes two and three times a day over a little simple stuff. 
you know, her, she was out of balance because she was going through the change. And I'll tell you what, I praise God and she praised God for the doctor, the precious lady, her woman doctor that she went to that said, hey, I can help you. And she gave her a very mild form of birth control that helped her hormones to where she didn't just cry. And all of a sudden, in two weeks, my wife was back and she didn't have to take that forever, but it was a short period. And I know there's risks on that. Thank God that a doctor saw a physical problem that she was able to correct. And just for about 10 years, I believe it was, she was on that supplement. And then after a period of time, she didn't have to be on that. But that's a perfect example of a physical problem. I myself have had physical problems. I had diabetes, so I had to take a pill to bring my sugar down and it helped me tremendously. I remember one point in time, one day I couldn't hardly think. I didn't realize my sugar was so high. So when someone's talking to you, remember their spiritual needs, but physical. Many times with depression, sometimes with depression, when someone comes to talk to me, they've been stuck in that depression so long, sometimes they do need medicine. And I believe in prayer. I believe in healing. I believe in all those things. But I also know that if they've been stuck in this for a long time and they have been saved, they have been trying or some efforts on their part, sometimes they're stuck, you know, to where they're in, their dopamine's not working correctly, their serotonin's not working correctly. So then they need some type of medication to break this cycle. And many times it's temporary. But remember, it's okay to go. I usually send them straight to their medical doctor. If they're losing weight, they can't sleep. You know, they have these side effects. I think about these things. If they're just not able to get through it, if it's affecting their job, if they're losing jobs because they just don't get out of bed for two or three days, and this is a time they need to go to their medical doctor. And I also want the church praying for them. I want them to be involved in a Bible study, a group, but I do think this is a place of important place for medication. You know, and I know there's risk to medication, especially some medications for like anxiety that can be very addictive and you have to be so careful that we're not leaning on that. But are we are we realizing there are some physical needs that need to be addressed in this person. Also, then the next thing is the E. S-P-E is spec. S-P-E-C. So the E is experiential. So they're coming to me with the problem. Is this something that's happened in their past that they can't get through? This is one of the greatest parts of helping someone remember that they're, when grief is stricken a life, everybody deals with grief differently. But we need to remember grief is a very serious thing that happens to people. And it's not just a loss of someone always in their family. Grief can be the loss of a job. Grief can be the loss of a career. Grief can be the loss of a marriage. Grief can be all those areas. Are they going through grief? And then that's when we need to walk with them hand in hand through the grief process. You know, and when dealing with grief, I'm going to have somebody come on a podcast here in the next few podcasts, a, a great friend of mine, Rick Unruh, he has a great ministry called Dream Again Ministry, and he's going to talk about some of the processes, but mostly in grief. Now, they don't normally talk about the grief processes. Remember, it used to be like step one through seven, you know, anger, denial, you know, all those types of things, because they've learned that everybody grieves differently. And sometimes we're grieving and we don't know we're grieving. We will grieve naturally, but sometimes we get stuck in grief. And is this something that we need to go to the Lord with them and trust God to believe them through this healing process? Are they resentful? Have they been through experiences in their childhood that they're resentful? Have they, when they've had experiences in their childhood, you know, remember, we're still on the experiential part of spec. And when they've had experiences in their childhood, is it somebody they need to forgive? Is it something that's happened to them that they've listened to the lies of the devil that it was their fault? Have they been in some type of abuse or neglect? 
You know, if someone's been neglected, then I, uh, you know, or someone's been orphaned, you know, a person that's been orphaned and don't know their mother and father, I always take them to Ishmael and that God still even went, even though Ishmael was not the son of faith, Ishmael also still was blessed by God. Now we know that his future was grim after that, but God still took care of Ishmael. Because when Ishmael was orphaned by Abraham, we see the story there. And we always remember it's by faith we have to trust our Heavenly Father that even when our earthly parents let us down, that our Heavenly Father is there to meet our needs and take care of us. And remember what he did with Ishmael and Ishmael's mom. He then allowed them to be nourished and taken care of and also blessed them with many more children. So I use those stories when I think about their experiences. In this part of experiential, or they believe in lies. It's so important. Remember, lies are like, you know, we stand up, we stood up straight in the Garden of Eden, and then Satan lied to us and told us that we could partake, lied to Eve and Adam, that they were able to partake of the fruit, so they did. Then they fell spiritually, and and the devil's job is the same. Through experiences, he'll continue to lie to us and tell us we're no good, we're unworthy. Yes, we're unworthy, but we're made worthy by the blood of the Lamb. And so I start thinking about those scriptures, if they've been abused or neglected or going through grief, I I try to build them up in faith and walk through some of those. Sometimes I've met people in the church, they've been told by people in the church, even pastors in the church, you know what, you need to just put that behind you and quit thinking about that and profess faith. Listen, if we're stuck in that area, that's the worst thing we can tell someone. We need to walk back through that with him, be willing and ask them, are you willing? Here's how we know healings took in place. Let me, let me inject this here right here. If we've been abused or neglected and we have truly been healed and God has set us free, we can look back on that abuse and that abuser and we find forgiveness and we find peace. But if we've been abused and we've been neglected and we look back and we feel anger and anxiety, then that has not been processed correctly. I don't care if it's been five months or 50 years. We need to walk with God back through those experiences to receive healing and turn to God for that healing. I believe that with all my heart. I've seen people that have been abused 40 years prior and God finally healed them and it literally changed their life when they really saw it through the eyes of God. And how do we forget? give those people. Remember, the bridge to forgiveness is always empathy. If we can have empathy, if we can have ask God, God, give us empathy. What is empathy? To step down and see them as helpless as they are, just like we are without God. We have nothing. And then we have a bridge to forgiveness. And you know, forgiveness takes time. And so these experiences, have we? are we willing to ask them about these experiences? You know, when have you felt like this before? That's something I tell people. Have you experienced this kind of emotion, this kind of rage, this kind of hurt, this kind of depression, whatever you're going through, have you experienced this before? And when was that? Let's talk about that. And then last but not least is choice. And this is a huge part of the SPEC acronym. We have to remember choice is so important. Remember what it says in Luke chapter 47? Remember what it says? It says, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because he had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who's built his house on the ground with a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and then ruin of that house was great. In other words, are we making choices according to our emotion? Are we making choices according to faith? Because that's the first part of that. 
It says, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them. That's so important. Are you continuing in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Or are we going to God and hearing what God has to say in the scripture and then doing them? We cannot live a life of sinful rule behavior and then want not to be sad. We are going to have to self-medicate. God did not design us in a way that we could be opposite to him. Remember, Adam and Eve in the garden again, when God came to them and they were covered with their leaves, they had covered in shame because they knew what they did was wrong. The law of God was written on our hearts. We have to remember our choices have to change. Part of salvation is repentance. We must confess the Lord Jesus Christ and turn from our sin. And so I remember that, you know, man who hears and does, you know, be a hearer of the word, you know, not just a hearer of the word, excuse me, but a doer. Share that with people. Say, are you a doer of the word? And then start speaking life into them. And if they're, if they're discouraged or under condemnation, especially say, you know, I want to see you as a doer of the word, not just a hearer. And God wants that for you. You see how that could help on this choice area, the boundaries we talk about. I did a little segment on boundaries, you know, 10 episodes ago or so. And so boundaries are so important to, uh, hey, if you're overwhelmed, hey, if you're depressed, how are your personal boundaries? Are you trying to meet everyone else's expectations? Or are you free to say no to people? That's so important when someone comes to you, they're depressed, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're hurt. You know, are you setting good boundaries? And then you know what it takes normally? Because boundaries is easy to say, hey, just have good boundaries. It's another thing to have them. But boundaries need support. People need support, and you can be that friend. You can be that accountability partner that needs support. I've seen people try to change hundreds and thousands of times and can't change because they won't reach out and get that support. And sometimes that's the greatest place even a friendship, a fellowship needs is to where you can be that accountability partner. Uh, also your health choices. It's so important to have decent health choices here. If you, Oh, uh, back in January, I just wasn't feeling well. I just wasn't feeling well at all. And I was like, Lord, you know, I'm, I've been going to the doctor. I've gotten my checkup. I'm taking my allergy medicine because I feel horrible. If I don't, you know, God, what can I do? And it was like the Lord spoke to me and said, look at the fuel you put in your body. And I thought the fuel, and I had heard that years ago and it came back to my mind. I feel it was the Lord speaking to me. And so I had to start changing some eating habits. I had to cut out some carbs. I had to quit eating so much sugar because I would feel real good and real bad, real good and real bad. And so my point is, is what are our choices? The greatest thing, I'll say it again and again, when, when you're dealing with a depressed person is eating habits and sleepy, sleeping habits and exercise. So eat right, sleep right, and exercise right. That's one of the greatest helps to depression, but we overlook it. We'll go to our medical doctor and talk about and want all this medication, but are we working on that? Now, I'm not eating perfect. Hey, I'm far from in great shape, but the truth is I'm making better choices now than I was back in January when God dealt with me about that. You know, what are our spiritual disciplines? That's another choice. You know, I know people that are defeated all the time, but they will not put into practice the reading of the scriptures. And I don't beat people up for that, but I encourage you to encourage them to have some spiritual disciplines. One of the greatest things is getting into the word of God. We have, you know, if we're bound in bondage, we need the truth to set us free from that bondage. You know, we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. It's so important to share that with people that you're never going to get any better in these areas of bondage if you don't start seeking some truth, spiritual disciplines of prayer. 
You know, it's so important. The prayer that we have in the kingdom of God, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. Those are our choices to pull down them strongholds. Our prayer life, our our trusting God, our church attendance, those things are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. Are we making choices? To, do we have a great support group of friends? You know, I've outgrown circles of friends before. Circles of friends that, you know, I can't just have people that want me to sow into them. I need a few people that sow back into me. Sometimes people tell me the tough truth or my good friends, but I need some people to encourage me. You know, I have, when I say outgrown them, I've seen some people that have fallen into sin that I just had to start setting boundaries with and say, I can't go down that road with you. I feel sorry for you. And I hated that you're going through this, but I just, it's not like I told them. I just could not make available time for them because they just kept repeating the same thing. And it was dragging me down. These are choices that we make in our life that even people sometimes in our families and our church family that can literally drag us down with them. God does not expect us to be drugged down. You know, you know, I've said this a lot of times, you know, God, people that don't make good choices, God is not going to fly down from heaven on his wings and come down into earth and then pick them up out of the mud and then fill their bank account, rent them a house and set them up in it. So everything's made just fine. No, he's not going to do it. Because he's not that kind of God. He is a God that allows us to have free will. And sometimes the toughest thing to do is let those people that are continuing sin and and hoping that grace will abound or thinking they're right with God is to let them fall because because he is God. We're not God. And if God's not choosing to fly down on his wings and come down here and fear their bank account, God help me if I think I'm going to rescue them, especially if they're caught up in addiction, especially if they're caught up in a bad relationships. I'm going to love them. I'm going to encourage them, but I'm not going to be their rescuer. I learned a long time ago, God does a lot better job of being God than I do, you know, but then choices, you know, about their church attendance, you know, choices about filling up on junk, you know, not just what we eat, but I'm talking about the things that's going in our ears, the thing that's going in our eye gates. Are we filling up on the things of God? There are so many free resources between YouTube and podcasts and sermons and church websites. We are to be filling up on the things of God. If we're depressed, if we have anxiety, are we filling up on faith? Are we filling up on garbage? You know, we hadn't ought to be listening to stuff. I love the analogy uh, that come back years ago. Remember the the big dog, uh, the, the two big dogs were walking down the street. There's a big white dog and a black dog and the big two big pit bulls weighed 150 pounds. And one guy walks up to the guy that was holding the dogs on two leashes and said, sir, if them two dogs get in a fight, who wins? And that guy said, well, that's easy. Whoever I feed the most. See, the implication is, is that if our spiritual man is fed, he'll be stronger. But if our flesh man is fed all the time, we're filling up with flesh and just entertainment and just stuff, not even stuff that you can even say sin, but just filling up on entertainment and and vacation all the time, if you will. Nothing wrong with vacation, but sometimes we've got to come back to reality. Is, Is our life a party to where we're just doing stuff all the time and then you know, it's hurting our finances and we're not having good boundaries and then we feel bad. You know, the point is we need to be feeding the spiritual man. And I've had to a long time ago have spiritual disciplines, the times of the day that I spend in times of the word of God and times of prayer. And I always am listening to sermons or, or books or audio books or what have you, reading books, usually two or three books a different time I got going. Sometimes that's a fault. I wish I would finish one before I start the other, but are, what are we filling up on? What choices are we having? So friends, I want to encourage you to remember the spiritual, 
the physical, the experiential, and the choices. Those are four areas when someone comes to talk to you about a problem, I want you to remember. Remember that acronym, spiritual, physical, experiential, and choice. The SPEC acronym. When someone comes to talk with you, think about that. Think about and pray. Say, God, what area of their life are, are we seeing? What are they under? Are they under a spiritual problem, a physical problem, an experiential problem, or a choice problem? And I encourage you to share that with them and ask them and challenge them. You know, challenge them in their problem. It's one thing to be a good listener, but it's another thing to be someone that holds the answer. And if we have God, then we have the answer. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. And until next time, God bless.